I remember on the one um, particular um, retreat I was um, uh, sitting on uh, one of the there was a Burmese teacher and uh, he was um, often around sitting and you know at lunchtime he would be in a corner watching us eat and uh, sometimes you know he was outside on the porch watching us do the walking and he would disappear and reappear you know. and often when he came in the hall to uh, to talk he would say uh, really compassionately he would say oh please please be careful you're leaking you're leaking all your energy you're gathering your energy in the sitting sometimes in the walking and then I see you leak you leak all this energy that you gather all this momentum you lose it in the middle time you're like this look around <laughs> you know I see you like uh, a little lost and in your habits of mind and you're doing such precious work of gathering the energy gathering the calm gathering the non-reactivity and then whoops you know you uh, you you leak all the momentum that you're gaining and uh, that image stayed with me of the uh, you know <coughs> the the preciousness of what uh, we're building in these moments of sitting and uh, and how easily it can be uh, discarded in a way you know just by suddenly becoming habitual in uh, one way or another and so at this at this point in the retreat we've been here for s- several days now it uh, i think it uh, becomes particularly precious and we want to um, maybe become conscious of this oh, i'm actually uh, creating you know cultivating something very very delicate and powerful and uh, and so in a way more a uh, few more words here on uh, continuity the value of uh, continuity in the practice so we have a whole day today in front of us to um, to continue this and uh, we have all the days behind us that uh, have created uh, a momentum by now I would think I think there shouldn't be any more boredom if there is boredom it's a symptom of a lack of attention so if you're bored you it's not to, to blame it's not in a blaming or judging way it's uh, really a factual kind of diagnosis if you if uh, I feel myself bored, it means the attention is not is not lending, so it uh, it requires just a little bit more maybe uh, generosity uh, in it. Uh, so there is a real contact. Otherwise, it's kind of uh, hovering above, you know, butterflying above, and so we want the attention to land, even to actually enter phenomena as a water uh, wood in a sponge even if you meet the attention meets something hard that is not sponge like <laughs> or doesn't appear like it's a rock like you know the still water will go to and meet all the contours of the rock you know completely it will you know t- take it in you know completely so um, so this there might be um, in there um, uh, uh, 
maybe a lack of urgency. Uh, and we were talking about this in one group uh, yesterday. There's a, in the Buddhist psychology, there's the five daily reflections that uh, if they're done daily, uh, so it means you would take a couple of minutes to reflect on these uh, in a daily way, and today you could do it a few times if you want. But uh, this is meant to um, kind of raise the stakes, is that the way we say it? Make uh, things uh, a little bit more... Um, uh, precious uh, and so the reflection uh, could be something like this, this five themes one is uh, I am not uh, beyond uh, um, disease there will be this disease and so a recognition that there is a relative health now that it's precious and fragile I'm not beyond old age. There will be old age. Uh, and so, you know, uh, there might be with this the, some loss of capacity to practice at some point in terms of concentration maybe or, or memory or um, who knows. I am not uh, beyond death. There will be death. And uh, the time is unknown, you know. And so that's a fact of life. And, and then there will be separation from everything that is dear to me. So that's the fourth one. And then the fifth one is, so knowing this, what do I want to do with this life? And here kind of response is actually I want to pay attention because the Buddha also said uh, uh, you know that it's possible to be free from disease old age and death and clearly it's going to happen so when he says free from doesn't mean it's not going to happen it is going to happen but maybe the relationship with it will be such that there will be freedom within these. But that's not just a decision. Okay, let me be free now from uh, disease, old age, and death. You know. it's, uh, here there's a methodology. Huh? We're going uh, really uh, in uh, carefully to actually undo our you know, uh, mistaken conceptions about reality the way we hold it, view it, perceive it, sense it, experience it. <coughs> I've talked um, a few times now about the first uh, noble truth, huh? um, the noble truth of... Um, suffering or, or uh, uh, separation from what is dear and uh, the encounter with what is, uh, what is um, uh, you know, either challenging, difficult for us or not wanted as really being part of, uh, of, of life. It happens, uh, I think, several times a day uh, in many forms. 
you know, inside our own heart, we would like a certain experience, and maybe it's not what shows up in uh, in the outside world, in our relationships, in the, in the sense experiences. Uh, we don't always encounter what uh, we want. It might be probably happening right now in some form. Even if you don't agree with me, it proves my point. <laughs> He's not saying what I want to hear. <laughs> You're separated from what you want. So that's the first noble truth. And there's a second noble truth. The second noble truth is, uh, you know, the causes of our difficulties are not in a way many. You would think, you know, it's this person not doing what I want them to do. It's my lower back. Let me tell you the list of things, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the causes of my suffering. There's many, you know, the way society this, the way that institution that, the way, you know, these people this, the way my mind that, you know. And the Buddha says, no, there's actually one cause, only one cause. The cause is clinging. Mental activity, you could say. You know, the mind that clings to something. I, I really want this. This is. I don't want what's there. I want something else. Or I want to keep, you know. Or I want to make mine, you know. Uh, and so, whoa, here's a field of study and action today. Clinging. The clinging mind and the non-clinging mind. So the presence and absence of uh, clinging. And so today, maybe, if you're interested, so what I'm suggesting almost uh, every day is a different kind of lens to put on, you know. First day, I was saying, hey, let's put, put down the lens of, you know, what I want and all this. Let's put on the lens of uh, sensory experience. Let's be really interested in sensory experience. At some point, I said, "Oh, let's put on the lens of uh, of uh, emotions and mind state. Just track this during the day. How how suddenly dejected, suddenly quiet, you know. And at some point, maybe I said, "Oh, maybe we could put on the lens of uh, thoughts, the appearance of thoughts, disappearance of thoughts, thoughts as images, thoughts uh, associating themselves, uh, things like this." So many lens. Yesterday I said, oh, we could put on the lens of pleasure, displeasure, and neutrality. And so to them, bringing another, you're like, stop, enough already. But still, we could, uh, today, if we want to play with this, if it resonates, we don't have to put them all, you know, and s sometimes it's more like intuitive. Oh, it talks to me. I want to use that as a kind of frame of reference for the... Uh, research today. Um, and so there's the mind that clings and don't cling. And uh, to put it really simply, uh, I like Joseph, it's, it's one of his f uh, favorite own sayings. <laughs> and he, I think he particularly likes it because it, it's not grammatically correct, I think. And he likes that it's, it's not uh, exactly uh, kind of good English. And that makes him laugh. And uh, it also has a kind of pedagogically, it works because there's, you know, you, 
the sentence is a little strange, I think, and so it makes it uh, memorable. So now I have to remember it. (laughs) 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 So he says, it doesn't matter what you don't cling to. It doesn't matter what it is that you don't cling to. Because in the end, that's, you know, freedom is the mind that doesn't cling. So to this or to that, it doesn't matter what you don't cling to. (laughs) It just matters that you don't cling. Uh, But still, we could divide it. If you have a little attention span, you should at this point. (laughs) You know, I'll break it down just in a few little categories, just for you know, to be bring up the curiosity maybe and the, you know, the uh, inspiration and say, oh, let me check this out. So human beings, they often cling to sense pleasure. And you'll see the other ways that we talk about practice, the aspects of practice, they're in there. They're all, all this is like um, vas communicant, like they're all like, communicating aspects of uh, related aspects of the reality and so human beings will often cling to what is pleasant we talked about this yesterday so the field of sense pleasure you know you'll uh, I don't know you'll see a fruit in the bowl and you're like <coughs> I want this fruit I hope there's still enough of this fruit when I get there or, you know so the mind clings it can cling to a banana <laughs> it can cling to comfort, you know, and in the same way, it can also cling to what is uh, disagreeable. We talked about this yesterday, you know. You said something to me in '79, and I'm still clinging to it. One teacher I was, uh, I think, teaching with, or maybe probably si- sitting with, was saying, uh, I think, talking about her mother. She said. She went to see her very elderly mom who was losing her memory. And her mom was saying, I know I'm angry at my sister, and I know I've been angry for a long time. I can't remember why. Tell me why I'm angry at her. And, uh, and she said, I said to her, Mom, I'm not going to tell you. And she's like, I don't mind. I'm still angry. <laughs> I'm still clinging to that uh, unpleasantness that happened. <laughs> 25 years. can't remember why, but I'm not <laughs> letting go of this one. So, as we sit here and we walk today and we walk around and see how the mind will cling, you know, it can cling to the sound of the vacuum, you know, like yeah. as, oh, I enjoy it, you know, it's so boring here. <laughs> At least something's happening, the vacuum. Or it can cling to it as it shouldn't be there, you know. And so, in this way, it can be, it can be, it can become almost fun, you know. Ah, oh, look at that, this is clinging mind. We could easily use this as a, another clinging form, like, oh, I shouldn't cling. But that's not what we're doing here. Here we want things to be revealed. Clinging is going to happen. Believe you me. <laughs> it's been happening the whole time. <laughs> and so, and so when it happens, then we can become aware, awake to it. Ah, oh, and then feel it. I don't want letting go too quickly. I actually like sti- things to stay a little bit because I learn a lot from them. Like, oh, clinging mind, stay around a little bit so I can feel the ouch really well. 
of, you know, wanting something to be a little different. So it can be around something of the senses, the five senses. So you might notice this today. Uh, I remember one time in the fall like this, I was doing a, teaching a retreat and, uh, and somebody came in the group interview and as they came they said, oh, you know what, when I go back home I'm going to go and buy some um, yarn, you know, to, uh, to crochet or whatever it's called, you know, to, and I'm going to make myself a really nice sweater with orange and yellow and all this because the colors are so beautiful here. And I was like, oh, look, the, the clinging, like, can't take the tree with you, <laughs> you know, back home. But creating a device, you know, I'm going to keep that color going. <laughs> I'm going to actually wear it, you know, I'm going to make a sweater out of it. So it's one cute way to talk about this. Uh, so clinging to uh, experiences of the senses... Another form of clinging for human beings is rites and rituals. And so what it means here is like, this is not how you supposed to, you know, do this or that, I don't know, in the kitchen or in the, in the dining room or in the bedroom or, you know. Have you noticed any of this while you were here? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> you know, we're all loving community. <laughs> you know, like, this is not where we're supposed to put our boots, you know. <laughs> Why do you, you know? And so the mind can cling to this. And at home, that's one you can bring home. <laughs> Everybody's smiling, <laughs> big smile. You see how clinging can be liberating when it's uh, known? <laughs> you know, instead of creating more clinging, we can wake up and say, ah. 2,600 years ago, somebody was saying, be careful at work, you know, when you cling to the ways we're supposed to do things, it's going to be painful for yourself, you know. So, going about, about this with care, you know, seeing like, okay, I'm clinging to this, it's painful for me. How to navigate this? It doesn't mean that everything is okay, there's still kind of rules, you know, in this society we have rites and rituals, they're called laws, you know, things that human beings agree together. They say, okay, we're not going to, if you do this, this is what's going to happen to you. You'll get a fine or you'll get, you'll get sued or something. And so we can become aware of it, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very powerful area for human beings. We could stop there, no? We have enough for a whole day. Mm. Just this. Still, there's two more in this particular list. So, experiences of the senses, ways to do things, norms, you know, uh, agreements or uh, conventions. I put this in rites and rituals. You know. So, I'll, I'll just put another one before I, I go to the in the rites and rituals, so if you put norms in that, do you see as a society, as an individual, around uh, sex or gender issues, how we cling to, you know, you're not supposed to, you know, you're supposed to wear pa uh, pants, you can't wear a dress because of your genitals. 
when you have your genitals outside, you can't wear a dress. It's not possible. I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do anymore, you know. <laughs> and see if it hurts when you hear this. <laughs> that might be the first indication, you know. But it's true, you know. My grand- dear grandmother was free from, uh, from, uh, from norms. Like she had the beard. And uh, she would sh- sometimes we would kiss her, and she was like, oh, I, must, I didn't shave today. I must be really, uh, you know, uh, pr- prickly. I don't know. <laughs> she said, I have to go shave. And she had this big white beard like this. The shorter, she would shave it every week. And uh, she was beautiful. She was the most beautiful being I, uh, I've met in my life. She was free from gender conceptions, limitations. Another area is, um, is uh, views and opinions. So in a way, it can be related. But uh, so yesterday I talked about uh, the incapacity First, things to satisfy, dukkha. So, often human beings, they cling to the view that this will be satisfying. You know, and this is painful. So, clinging to views is painful. Clinging to wrong views is extremely painful. So, uh, one maybe subtle way or not so subtle way that we cling to views and opinion is when we're not aware of a thought. When a thought lands and there's kind of a fusion, it's just, uh, it's not recognized as the mind is producing a, an image or an idea, an anticipation, you know. If we're not aware of a thought, then we're clinging to it. There's not uh, awareness, there's not uh, wisdom. So, you, you know, when we leave with our thoughts, you know, kind of get caught in a pattern of thinking, we're clinging to views. That's, that's, uh, that's why we're, it's called being deluded. There's a, there's a fusion, there's an adherence. You know. It's glued. Cl- so it's, we're clinging. So here we want to wake up, be aware. Oh, this is an opinion that is being produced. So then, by being not clinging here, aware that there's an opinion. The Buddha, I think, somewhere says that uh, views and opinions should lead to calm. Does your views and opinion tend to do that? Or they lead more to agitation and distress? Wow. Rich field. I think we'll stay for another whole month. (laughs) Until Christmas, at least. Of this year, maybe the next. So clinging to sense, experience, clinging to ways to do things, clinging to views and opinions. And the last one, maybe I'll talk more about this afternoon. Shall we leave it as a open, <laughs> or at least drop the word? You'll recognize this if you've studied a little bit Buddhism. So I'll say it again because it's, you know, it's... Uh, to put it in our minds, so to sense experience, to ways to do things, rites and rituals, 
to views and opinions. And the last one is to self, selfing, mine, not mine, I, not I. So the particular kind of clinging that uh, defined oneself, identify, appropriate uh, what belongs to nature. You know. I'm this and that is painful. If it's not immediately, it will be at some point when the thing disappears. You know. Okay, oh my God. <laughs> so don't try to catch all of these. It's just uh, a little information. And as we sit and walk in our life today, in the bedroom or here or there, suddenly we're like, ah, that's one case of clinging. And notice also non-clinging, because <coughs> that's the experience of freedom, is the capacity to meet a sense experience, allowing it to be known uh, without the mind that... And we not cling a lot, because otherwise we would not have survived up to today. It would have been way too painful. So that happens a lot, non-clinging. So to notice this, how oh, the rapport with this event is simple. You know, a thought comes, it goes, no clinging. A taste comes and goes, no clinging. So the non-struggling mind, the non-reactive mind, the non-clinging mind does exist in our experience. And so we can recognize that also and be nourished by that. So let's sit a little bit here. have to go get anything out there. We don't have to be uh, efficient in this way. We're just allowing life to be experienced and we'll notice some things will stand out. So if this was uh, agitating for you, then just notice it. Oh, this was agitating for me. There's probably some clinging happening. I want to understand it all or I feel I should if you can uh, let these words go and all this will become apparent again <coughs> with the calm connecting mind I talked about earlier, Munindraji would say, just sit there, <coughs> be attentive, and the whole of the Dharma will be revealed. Just sit there and know you're sitting, and the whole of the Dharma will be revealed.
We don't want to think about this. We want to be present and see when it will happen, the mind getting hooked, attached, bugged, or enamored with something.
Notice if the mind uh, is able to allow what is there to be there, knowing it clearly without clinging, or if the mind is hooked in some way. No judgments, huh? just factual. Oh yeah, there is clinging. Or, no, the mind doesn't cling right now that I can see. So Joseph, again, it doesn't matter what you don't cling to. Um, <coughs> and uh, I had a teacher, uh, Dr. Tintin, she was a uh, Burmese-American, uh, and uh, she would say, if you think three times about the same t thing, <coughs> There's probably some clinging going on. <laughs> so that could be an indication for us to pay attention. So clinging means like it's uh, we're uh, suffering from an <coughs> unwholesome relationship to something happening. It happens a lot to human beings. So don't, uh, don't make it so personal. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's going to happen. Uh, and we can become aware of it, tender and clear. Um, so about rites and rituals. So I think I've heard many times, I've never seen it directly or wasn't there when it happened, but uh, one teacher, uh, one great Tibetan master, I think, said uh, something like, um, my view is as wild, wi uh, wide, my view is as vast as the sky, and my attention to details as refined as a particle of a barley flower. My view is as vast as the sky, and my attention to detail as uh, fine as barley, a grain of barley flower. And apparently what was meant by that was, <coughs> I know that rites and rituals and agreements and conventions uh, are in a way empty, not to be clung to. Yet, so my view is vast as the sky, yet my attention is as refined as a barley flower, uh, means I, I, I know how to honor them. You know, I know that ultimately this is not mine or yours, this thing. Ultimately, you, know, you won't be able to, you know, it's an agreement. Yet, I'm going to really respect that agreement, you know. So that's the middle path here. We know it's empty, and we know it counts a lot. 
And that's why um, we uh, want to be aware of, uh, you know, rules and regulations and uh, honor them. So what belongs to the other belongs to the other. So one of the things here is uh, sometimes we do, we many times we go do walking meditation. So if somebody establishes a path for themselves in this way, honoring your attention being fine like barley flour, so you don't come to walk in the middle of <laughs> somebody's path, you know. So in the walking room there, if you come in and people are walking in this way, bring mindful intelligence sensitivity to what's happening and just walk in the same direction if there's no space notice there's no space you know things like this you know of course it's imperfect being all of us in a small space but still you know like oh, my shoes instead of in the door you know I'll put them on the side you know so this is very kind of delicate way for us to live together. Uh, any question, clarification about uh, the practice? Well, especially uh, fusion of things can uh, in a lot of dilemmas. For instance, uh, you teach this, so this is your view of a better word. Um, yeah, how do you match that? Yeah, well, you know, the way I understand it is the Buddha had a lot of views <coughs> and opinions. Huh? He was not like, oh yeah, it's all good. You know, he was often saying, no, you fool. You don't understand this well. I mean, if you read the sutras all the time, he's saying, no, 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 it's not like this, Ananda. Oh, no, 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 it's not like this. So he has views, but they don't lead to distress for him. They lead to, they lead to peace and clarity about the world. You know? And ultimately also, I think for us, uh, and for him, it, it, did, it leads to wise action. You know, it's not just like, oh, I'm an open thing with no views, no opinions, and, you know, people can abuse me or others, and no, I have views and opinions about how to be together, and I'm not going to let this lead me to, uh, uh, I'm going to let this lead me to wise action, wise way to contribute to, you know, this relationship, that societal situation, you know. So knowing that maybe I have privilege in some way, I'm going to go and defend those who uh, are not given uh, visibility, you know, or some things like this. So it should lead to action, uh, contribution, involvement, engagement, you know, but in a way that uh, doesn't add to trouble. Is that, maybe that's a bit of a... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these things are not to be solved in a 20-minute talk, you know, like uh, <laughs> I draw all these things out there, but, you know, uh, I like the, for example, I think the view of several lifetimes is a skillful means for me sometimes in two ways. It's like, oh, maybe I'm not going to solve all this in one lifetime, you know. I don't know if there are other lives after, but, you know, I hear about it. I, I, it's not something I know for myself. But it's, I find it useful to relax the system. Also, it's useful to raise the stake, because if I'm going to come back, I want, you know, or I, or something's going <laughs> to come back, I want it to be with at 
least less neurosis as possible. <laughs> you know, for everybody, what everybody's well-being, <laughs> those around the being and the being uh, themselves. You know, so 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 what we're talking about here is deep stuff. You know? And here we have a few days to actually slow down and notice how it, they arise, how they create worlds. You know. And uh, and this morning is clinging and non-clinging. When you cling to a view, or when I cling to a view, to see how, who's the main person suffering here? You know, the one stuck with the opinion. You know, and then everybody around too. <laughs> okay. So this morning, uh, in the world of rites and rituals, it's uh, Friday. You know, there's no a- absolute Friday, you know. It was not born to be a Friday. It's an agreement. <laughs> you know, we made some agreements. At it. So this is a rite and ritual. So today is Friday. So you can check on the list if your uh, group meeting is on Friday. That would be today. <laughs> in the world of conventions. <laughs> and uh, and the also the other agreement is that we're a practicing community. Huh? And we're all contributing. And it might be a, a way that you want to report today. What is your contribution to this event? Huh? So what is your contribution to this event, to this gathering here? Uh, so that could be a reflection, even if your group is not today. What is your contribution here? Uh, a way to evaluate the thing. You know? um, yeah, so group, walking, knowing that we're a practicing community. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.